you've got your Bibles this morning, if you'd go, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. Mark that, but then we are also going to look at Genesis 48, verses 14 through 16. So if you just got one of them, and you're ready with uh, Hebrews to start with, if you would stand to your feet, just so I know you're ready for the reading of God's Word this morning. It'll also be on the screen, so you don't have to try and flip and keep up this morning. I'm throwing a uh, throwing you a curveball by jumping around a little bit. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21, and then again in Genesis 48, starting in verse 14. But let's start with Hebrews 11:21 this morning. This is what it says: By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship. Over the head of his staff. If you go to Genesis chapter 48, verses 14 through 16, we find the account and the recording of this full blessing. And this is what it says In Israel, also Jacob is his other name, stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who is the younger, and is left on the head of Manasseh, crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Heavenly Fathers, we go into your word today. I ask that you would just bless this time in your presence. God, that you would speak to our hearts. God, that you would transform our hearts and our minds. Let us be renewed in our minds. And let us not leave here the same way as what we came in, but change us for the better, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And in your name we pray. Amen and amen. On this... uh, Father's Day, I got to thinking, what, what is the greatest gift a father or parent, it, it applies to both, what is the greatest gift a parent can leave for their child? I got to thinking about this, and I think one of the greatest things we can leave behind is a legacy, a legacy of righteousness, a legacy of holiness a legacy of following God and obeying God. And in this scripture today, we find in Hebrews 11, the Bible tells us that Jacob is getting ready to to go be with the Lord. His time on earth is coming to an end, and Joseph brings his sons to him, as we find this account in Genesis 48. And he says, I want you to bless them, and I want them to to be blessed by you. I want them to experience the hand of blessing in their life. And I want, before you go on, to let it be a a great legacy to be left behind. And I, I love here how it says in Genesis 48 that he crosses his hands, puts one on each of the boy's head, but it says he blessed Joseph and began to speak and, and gave the blessing that the God who was 
uh, of my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, and, and, and the God who has been my shepherd all of my life, and, and, to, and the angel who had redeemed me, bless these boys. I find it interesting that the blessing started with the father, Joseph. Even though his hands were on the boys, Ephraim and Manasseh, that he said the blessing over Joseph as the head. The legacy and, and the direction of the family starts with the head of the household, who is the father of the household. And I know that this is a subject that can be very difficult on Father's Day because not everybody has that in their life. Not everybody has the physical father, the, the, the one to be there for you as a child or to be there for your child. It's a sad reality, but it doesn't surprise me that that is the attack that the enemy plays, that that is his scheme, because he knows if he can break down the head of the household, he can break down the household. But I am thankful that even though we live in a world where there are imperfect fathers and absent fathers, there is a perfect God who is 100% present, who is 100% there in our times of need, who is Abba Father to us. So although we might be lacking for some people in, in a physical father, there is a heavenly father who loves you and cherishes you and will put other father figures in your life to fill the gap. So I want you to be encouraged today as, as we go through this because this can be a difficult thing on Father's Day. Some of us may have bitter feelings towards a father figure. Some of us have great, wonderful memories, and I thank God for that. But you notice something on Mother's Day, not so many people are, are sensitive towards this topic. And it is because there is an attack on fathers. Because it is the father who sets the tone of legacy for their family. I know this isn't the most popular idea in the world we live in, a very feminine-driven world, and I've got no issue whatsoever with strong, powerful women of God because there are many of them, and they are biblical, and there is nothing wrong with that, but there is something special and unique about a father figure. And there is a challenge I want us to all, especially as men today, to take on, and that is to leave a godly legacy for our children. And you may say to yourself, well, my children are moved out. They're adults. They're on their own. They still watch you. They're still paying attention to how you live your life today. But I want us to jump back into this where we find Jacob blessing the, his grandsons, the sons of Joseph. And the Bible says he was bowing in worship over the head of his staff. You see, the staff is a very uh, special thing in this day and age in Scripture. Uh, the, the staff is a tool that every man carried. Is there, a, uh, is, is there like a tool that, I'm a pocket knife kind of guy. I carry a pocket knife with me everywhere I go. Is there other guys in here that carry a pocket knife or, or you, you carry a pen or you carry useful tools with you on a daily basis to, to be there to take care of things, to, uh, to handle business that needs to be handled throughout your daily life? Well, this would have been like that for these men. And it's unique because the staff would have been passed down 
and generations. He starts out talking about Abraham and Isaac. Well, Abraham would have carried the same staff. Isaac would have carried this staff, and now it is Jacob, also known as Israel, and it is in his hands. But what makes it unique is just like a, a, a family heirloom or, or something your father or grandfather may have passed down to you, there's memories and things that are attached to that item. Well, back in these days, as they lived their life and had different experiences in life, they would carve out emblems and different things to commemorate those moments of their life. There was times where we could look at the staff and we could look and see the stories that Abraham experienced with God and the recordings of times that he's had in his life of the faithfulness of God and the reality of God being active and alive in his life would be etched into this staff. The, the, the stories where Isaac had encounters with God and moments with God and greatness and, and just in family, the hard times and the good times. And now Jacob having this staff, getting ready to pass it down, we would see the stories and memories etched into this. And this, this thing represented a legacy that these men had lived out up until this point. And, and I find it interesting that he's bowing and leaning on this staff, blessing them and worshiping over, over the head of this staff. It, it's symbolic of him remembering the goodness and faithfulness of God, giving God glory and saying, Lord, you've been faithful to me. I'm asking you to bless and be faithful to these boys. It would be a very powerful moment. It's not, he's not just bowing over the staff because he's, he's weak and feeble and he's getting ready to pass on. Although that was true, he was leaning on the staff because he had the memories of all those times past that he was leaning on God and on the legacy that his fathers had passed down to him. He would lean on this and remember the faith of his father Abraham, the obedience of Abraham, and how God blessed for all of the faith and obedience, and he would cling to that. And he would lean on that because they would take this staff, they used it to journey, to find new land, to take care of their fields and their families, to, to cross rivers and, and, and to go through the valleys. They would use it to fend off animals that would come and try to attack them. They, this staff was so valuable, and it was something that they truly relied on in their life. And just like they relied on this staff, many of us rely on the legacy of our parents, and specifically fathers. What I mean by rely on that is there is an example that has been set for all of us and it is through that legacy, through those memories that we view the world and we view God. It gives us a lens to see everything. How many have ever found themselves saying things like, like uh, well, I get that from my dad or I get that from my mom. Anybody ever caught themselves? Has anybody ever seen those insurance commercials where it says, we can't protect you from becoming your parents? Has anybody ever felt like you were living one of those commercials before? There have been many times where I, I will make a dad joke or I will say something or do something and I catch myself saying, oh my goodness, I am just like my father. There are times where I've said, I am just like my mother. And I know they're both going to listen to this later, and they're probably going to laugh and call me and say, what did you mean by that? I promise they're all good things and funny things, but there are, there are things that we receive from those who have lived before us in our family tree. 
things that we carry, characteristics that we carry. And so we need to be careful about what things we pass on from that. You see, the way we live our lives, especially as fathers today, will set the tone for how our children and grandchildren will live. Because they will look to us for guidance. They will look to us and the way we lived our life. My, my grandfather is like MacGyver. This man can build stuff out of duct tape and toothpicks that would blow your mind. And I have, I, I have many times been like, what, what would Lee Signs do today? to fix this. And I've tried to put myself in his shoes to solve problems. I have looked at situations and been like, how, how would my dad handle this situation with the, his analytic mind? And think that you, Whether you realize it or not, you will put yourself in the shoes of your parents and live your life according to the legacy that they have left you. You will lean on that staff, if you will, this morning. And now it has come to a time and a, and a point where he is leaning on this testimony, glorifying God, worshiping God, and saying, God, what you did for me, the legacy that I have lived and has lived before me, Lord, I ask that you would pass this on to these boys. And so today I want us to look at three things that we would consider to be part of a positive testimony and a positive legacy that we can leave behind for our children. This applies to fathers and mothers today. The first one being a legacy of faith. A legacy of faith. These men who passed this staff on, I say these men because it started with Abraham, then went to Isaac, and then through Jacob, the staff was passed on. And those men are considered patriarchs and founding fathers of our faith. We used to sing the song, Father Abraham, in Sunday school. How many remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. I'm not going to do the whole thing. I cannot move that way anymore. I would get dizzy. But we look at these men of biblical history. They're not just cute little Bible characters, but they are men who lived and breathed and lived a life of faith that we look to as an example. We, we, we talked about a few weeks ago in the Hall of Faith, Abraham was highlighted and it said, by faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice unto God. Although God still provided in those instances, and it is through those acts of faith and it is because of their faith that faith will be passed down into the next generation. See, our faith is contagious. Our faith is genetic. We, we can pass our... I know it's got to be their own faith, their own salvation, but there are parts of our faith that set the foundation for them to build their own faith and of salvation and relationship with God. Because they will evaluate our faith and they will say, well, if it worked for him, it should work for me. If it worked for my mother, it should work for me. And our faith will lay a foundation for their faith. They will look at us just like we look at the Scriptures to find faith. Your children will look at you to find examples of faith. 
because we can be a living, breathing example of the Word of God to our children. That's, that's a heavy burden to bear, but it is the reality of life. Is they will look and see, well, when we were navigating, when we didn't have a whole lot, when all we had to live on was a prayer, when we couldn't really pay the bills, when we couldn't buy the groceries, when we could, how did my parents handle themselves? Did they walk by faith or did they not? And if you walk by faith, they will say, well, if God did it for them, he'll do it for me. And, or, or do they look at your life and say, man, when things got hard, they abandoned the whole thing. Because here, here's the reality. You know, the number one reason why young adults leave the church, and this, this is a summary of quotes and interviews that I have heard and read and studied over a period of time, trying to figure this out for myself. It is because they say that the, their parents that worshiped on Sunday were not the same people Monday through Saturday. They, they call it, they say the church is full of hypocrites. How do they figure out it's full of hypocrites? Because of the people they spend their time around the most. They don't leave because of the music styles. They don't leave because uh, there's not enough fog machines and enough lights and camera and action. They leave because they realize that the faith that they thought they knew wasn't reality to them because it wasn't it wasn't given to them in a positive example. And so they are like, that's not something I want to follow. The faith that I thought was transforming didn't change my parents, so how will it ever change me and help me? That is the, that is the attitude that they have. And so we have to have a faith that we can pass down and set an example like we look at the faith of Abraham, we just mentioned it. His faith was so strong that without having any idea of where he was going, God said, go, I'm going to establish you in a new land. And he didn't know the land. He didn't have, all he had was the word of God that said go, and he went because of it. He didn't know where he was going to stop, where it was going to put him. He just went because God said go, and he obeyed. And when God brought him there, God said, all right, you've arrived. And he said, all right, great. Later on, his faith was so strong that he received a promise from God that even though they were past the childbearing age, that God said, I'm going to give you a son, that he held on to that word, and they had a son named Isaac, and then God said, I want you to sacrifice this son, and he said, wait a minute, this is a little bit crazy, but because you're God and I have faith in you, I will do it, because the Bible says that he supposed that God would even just raise him from the dead, because he knew Isaac was a promise from God, and because he had good, strong faith, he knew that God wasn't going to just strip away one of his own promises, because that would make God a liar, and God is not a man that he might lie. So by faith, he did what God told him to do and some extreme things that most of us would be put in prison for today. Not probably you would be put in prison for today if they found out you were trying to sacrifice your son or your child to God. I'm not saying go do that today, but what I am saying is that we have to have a radical enough faith that our children can look at us and say, wow, that God is really alive. We miss out on the greatest moments of faith because we never step forward in obedience to do what God's asked us to do. And we may think, well, this, that, that's okay. That's not hurting anything. That It's hurting your children. 
your lack of faith gets passed down just as much as an abundant faith can be. This is challenging for us this morning, but it is a challenge that I believe we need. The next thing that we need to pass down as part of this legacy is obedience. I just mentioned Abraham was obedient to an extreme amount of obedience. He took God at his word and walked accordingly. This is something I think many of us really truly struggle with. Like, you hear the voice of God, and he says, do something, and we're like, well, I don't know that that was really God saying that, and I think that was just me, and and sometimes that is true, but there are things that have been clearly written in his word that we are to do in our life that so many of us fail to do. And when I say fail to do, I'm not saying you've tried and fallen down and got back up. I'm saying actively ignored it or neglected to even find out what it says to begin with. We, we, we see that the Scriptures say don't gossip, yet we still gossip. We see the Scriptures say don't lie, but we still lie. We see the Scriptures teach us don't lust, but yet people still lust. We see the Scriptures telling us to worship in spirit and in truth, but yet we stand around with our hands in our pockets. And everybody, I get everybody worships differently, but you can usually tell what's going on in somebody's heart by what's going on and, and within them physically. We, we see the Scriptures telling us to be generous to those in need, and yet we withhold. We see the Scriptures telling us all sorts of things that we never do, We don't obey. And it's not, to, it's not always just active disobedience. Like we, we totally go the opposite way. The Bible says when we know what the good thing is to do and we don't do it, it's sin. See, we think disobedience is just God says, don't lie, but I lie anyway. When he also has said, feed the hungry, take care of the poor, and and all of these good things to do. It's not just a list of what not to do. There's a list of things he told us to do. Good things that we should do. It is a good thing to hold the door open for somebody. It is a good thing to help somebody who's struggling to carry their groceries, to help them carry their groceries. All of these things that we could be doing that are good things. And the Bible tells us that if we neglect to do the good thing, it is still sin. It's not always just doing the bad thing. But this obedience, this level of obedience is something we will pass down to our children. They will look and say, my, my father, my mother did not obey God. If they ever read the Bible for themselves, I guarantee you, they will look at examples of how the Scriptures have been modeled to them. As somebody who at one point in time was a young person growing up in the church reading the Bible and learning things, I would look at the people around me who claimed to be Christians and make, make determinations and judgments about faith based on how other people lived according to the Word of God. If we're going to be honest, I think we all do that. We really should spend more of the time judging ourselves and our own obedience. But if you looked at people who were older than you, 
If you can remember back to when you were a young a youngin in the church, your Sunday school teacher, your youth minister, your children's pastor, your pastor, your parents, the leaders of the church, people that were supposed to exemplify the scriptures to you, you would evaluate them based on what you knew the Bible to say. And you would say, wait a minute, they're claiming to be this, but they're not doing this. That is, that is the reality. And your children will make that evaluation about you and your obedience to the word. Like, well, the Bible says this, and my dad says he's a Christian, but he never does this, or he always does this when he knows he shouldn't, because if he's a real Christian, he should know what the Bible says. Your obedience is part of your legacy. Our legacy is not just, can you fix anything with a roll of duct tape and some toothpicks? Our legacy is not just, can you grill a mean steak or a burger? Our legacy is so much greater. Our legacy is not, is not how well can you play a sport, how well can you do can you dance or how well can you run a mile or, or what your, your athletic abilities, all of those things are not part of your legacy, but how you obey God and how you have faith is. Yes, they might say, wow, my dad was a great athlete. Wow, he could, he could grill a mean burger. But is that all you want to leave? Do you just want to be known as as a great grilling artist? Is that the only thing you'll leave behind? The only thing you'll be able to pass down is, son, I can teach you how to grill a good burger. Or I can teach you how to throw a ball really far. That is a shallow legacy. And the legacy that we pass down should be one of faith and obedience to God. But even on top of all of that, it's not just faith and obedience, but our pursuit of God is something we will pass down. Your tenacity, your, your love for God, your desire for God is part of your legacy. The most beautiful funerals, not to be morbid today, but the most beautiful funerals I've ever been to are ones where people get up and all they talk about is how much that person loved the Lord. How they walked by faith and obedience and how they worship passionately and live their life for God. And pursuit is part of this. Jacob being the one getting ready to go on is, is famous for his wrestling match with God. He wrestled all night, had his hip put out of socket, and this is where he goes from being known as Jacob to being known as Israel. He's known for having a desire. At first it was used for selfishness, for selfish gain uh, with his brother and so many other things. And he was, he was known as a heel grabber, somebody who was a trickster who tried to steal and take for his own. But in a moment of an encounter with God, that all changed and he went from being pursuing all these other things to just saying, Lord, I ain't going to let go until you bless me. Do your children see that in you? Because they watch... And they pay attention to how you worship. They pay attention to your faithfulness. They pay attention to your attendance. 
They pay attention to, are you listening? They pay attention to, do you pray at home? Do you read at home? Do you teach them at home? All of those things go into what makes a pursuit of God. And they are evaluating, and are you passing down a legacy of a desire and pursuit of God? You can pass down pursuing sports and all of that. That's wonderful. That's great. But someday your body's not going to allow you to play anymore. And then what do they have left after that? Because the legacy builds identity. And if their identity is in their sports or in their grilling abilities or in their singing abilities, if their legacy is how well they can fix things, when it comes to a point in time where they can't do those things anymore, they're going to be left with nothing because it was a legacy that was shallow. And they're going to wonder, why didn't nobody tell me? I'm not saying don't teach them how to throw a ball, don't teach them how to cook and clean and do all of those things. What I am teaching you, telling you is make sure you teach them things that are eternal and value those things above the rest. I know some of you are saying, well, again, my kids are moved out and they've moved on and I don't have the influence over them anymore. That is so far from the truth. I still to this day look at my parents and the life that they live and use it as a guiding example for me. How my dad loves my mom is an example of marriage for me. How they walk in faith and they're generous and their generosity and, and how they help people and, and all the things that they do are still an example to me. Yes, I'm my own person I, and I'm going to answer for myself and nobody else when I stand before God, but there is still influence that comes from them. Your influence on your children will never end. Why? Because when you pass this staff on, when you pass this legacy on and say, my time is coming to an end, but I want to leave this with you for you to lean on and for you to carry and for you to use to guide you in life and to help you through life, all of these things, those things will continue to live on and those things will be carried with them and they will be guiding and they will be supporting and they will be things that they will bear their weight on to help them get through. We need something holy and righteous and eternal to pass on. This is something that has challenged me so deeply. I haven't mentioned, I've got just a couple more things for you today. I haven't mentioned Isaac a whole lot. Because when you read the Bible, Isaac's there and he's a great, wonderful, powerful man of faith. But he doesn't have the stories like Abraham does of sacrificing his son and and traveling. He doesn't have the wrestling with God moment like Jacob does. He's not as eventful of a life as some others. And, and sometimes I think we look at our lives and we say, oh, I'm not all that great. I haven't done anything wonderful or powerful. And I, my staff doesn't have all that beautiful of notching in it and that many stories to tell. But if you look at Isaac and the legacy he's he leaves. It's not about, it's not always about having 
these great, powerful experiences in your life. Sometimes it's just about raising godly children. You see, because Isaac had Jacob, Jacob became Israel, and Israel became not just a person, but a nation. He grew under somebody. He learned faith and, and life from somebody to get him to that point where he had 12 sons of his own and became the 12 tribes of Israel. It's not always about, well, I haven't done anything great. The greatest thing you can do is raise godly children. The hardest thing you can do is raise godly children. But a legacy is so much more than your own great feats and great adventures of life and faith. It's about what you instill in those who come after you. And I need you to also understand today that it's not about being perfect, it's about being present. None of these people, Abraham was not perfect. Isaac was not perfect. Jacob was not perfect. Joseph was not perfect. None of these men met perfection. But what they did as they were present in their lives. If you, if you continue to read on in the blessings that uh, Jacob begins to give to the rest of the family, his sons, it's so unique. The Bible even says that he gives blessings according to each son. He knew his sons. He was involved enough to know their personalities and their characteristics and their li- the life that they lived. And he gave them unique blessings and, and said, be blessed in this way because he knew his sons deeply and intimately enough. He was, in other words, present enough in their lives to understand what they needed and what they didn't need. He, the blessings had uh, uh, promises of, of prosperity, but it also had rebukes of discipline within them. And he understood what each child needed because he was present, present enough in their lives to understand these things. He wasn't perfect, but he was there. Showing up is one of the most important things you can ever do for your children. And just being there. As he leaned over the staff, I'm getting ready to close this morning. As he leaned over the head of his staff, he was worshiping God for everything that had ever happened in his life. And little did he know that as he was worshiping God over all these things, the different things that were going to come through his children and grandchildren that while on earth he never did get to see. There are so many powerful things that will happen when you're gone based on the legacy that you leave, good or bad, that right now it is a pivotal moment in life. No matter how far past that time or how far before that time. You see, they started the legacy before the children were born and they went all the way till their last breath. So you may not have children yet or your children may be moved out and gone and be adults, but no matter where you're at, you still have a chance at a moment to change the legacy and to even start a legacy 
to leave behind, to start notching the staff that even though it may only be a short period of time, it could be something great and grand that they could cling to in their life. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?